Hello and welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, the journey to create the new metal canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, is the Indigo Angel, Jennifer Sosha. Hello. And the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to New Movie Month. New Movie Month. Cinema. <laughs> Nice tag, Jenny. Nice tag. Hey, thanks. Hey. (laughs) All this month, we will be watching and listening to soundtracks from that are very new metal heavy or new metal influenced or new related. And we're very excited to dive into a record that, man, we've teased around this record for literally years, ever since... Jenny, an infamous moment in the show where you were led astray and told one song was on the soundtrack that was not. Yeah. And for a long time, you felt a little hurt by it, but but now you've healed, <laughs> you're stronger, and you're ready to talk all about Spawn the Album. Yes. I've returned to the scene of the crime. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk all about this record. We're going to talk about the movie. Jenny and I sat down in our respective homes, pop some popcorn, and dived in to this cinematic classic. Matt, you were not able to watch it, but you have seen the film. I saw it opening night. Opening night. Same. So we're going to talk about Matt's distant memories, how they match up to our current lived experience. We're going to talk all about that. But before we do, we've got to talk about who's tweeting. Who's tweeting? Who is and uh, first and foremost, Jenny, who's mailing? Who's mailing? who's mailing? I'll tell you who. Lauren received the mail, a box from Ben Rice at the Barley and Me podcast. Ben messaged me, on, messaged all of us really, on Twitter a little while ago. Said he was a big fan of the show. And he's like, hey, I want to send you guys stuff. I want to send you guys some records to check out for the show. And I said absolutely thank you this box arrives and it is a box is a big box and i've already told ben over text thank you so much i will reiterate again thank you so much for this incredible parcel of new metal and so much more he included with it a six page document detailing why or why we shouldn't do every album in this box. (laughs) I won't read the whole thing, but I will read the top. He says, Hi, Jenny, Lauren, and Matt. This letter serves three purposes. To outline what is in this box, why it is in this box, and to provide a buffer to minimize breakage. Smart thinking. It may seem like they're in there at random, but they are not. (laughs) It's actually my preferred order after a whopping three minutes of thinking. And he also says, The last tier is EPs that are actually worth your time. He then breaks it down. I'll just go through the tiers. The first tier, the ones I asked for. He asked me for ones that were on the long list that I did not have. Tier two, you need to cover this. So then he's got some pushes for some records. First one on here, Spawn Soundtrack. There you go. Asked, answered. Tier three, keep it interesting. Okay, so then we got some things to keep things interesting. I don't know where tier four is. I can't find it. Tier five, though, if there's time. And tier six, once you hate yourself and or become a parody of your former selves. 
And I got to tell you, there's some stuff on here. Oh, and tier seven for comedic purposes because you love your fans. So, oh, wait, tier eight when you've run out of ideas. Tier nine, decent EPs that never that were never made into a full length new metal albums. Ooh. So yeah, we've got we've got enough here to last us many a year. So thank thank you, Ben. What a gift. I do just want to mention um, one of the bands in the Once You Hate Yourself section, tier six, is called Mr. Downstairs. Well, there you go. Which is described as atmospheric new metal. So there you go. I have a quick cue for you, Lauren. Yes. Have you given the CDs a cursory glimpse, and are there any on there that are already on the long list? Yes, there are a few because he asked for basically a rundown of everything I had on the long list that I didn't have a physical copy of. So he did hit us uh, with a few. Uh, Finger Tight, In the Name of Progress, which is on the long list. Blank Theory, Beyond the Calm of the Corridor. Apartment 26. And I think that was I think that was it for the stuff that was on the long list. Um, he also, this is the thing, this, this Ben really went above and beyond. He gave me his copy of head pe broke parental advisory version there it is wow roach rider for life if i if i hadn't said already roach rider for life ben thank you and definitely check out ben's uh podcast uh barley and me talks about beer a lot of the time uh but he also talked to jordan from uh blinker the star one of my favorite bands and um yeah great pod check it out we also received Another person. Lots of mail coming in. Lots of mail. This one from former subject of the show, Shannon Spike 1000. Shannon Spike 1000. Shannon sent over two CDs, and she sent us a little note. says, Dear Roach Coach folks, two CDs for you guys. Hope you enjoy. One is a band called Walrus from the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, based around the same time as Spike 1000. And a band called Handsome. They were East Coast around the same time as Quicksand. Take care. Stay safe, Shannon. Thank you, Shannon. Also, if we're talking about Quicksand. That's a good sign. That's a good sign. Love Quicksand. Love Walter. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you so much. Definitely going to check these out. And keep the mail coming i mean i gotta buy shelves that's all i know for all these cds i gotta buy shelves jenny what else we got going on oh geez well you might be wondering who's touring who's touring who's touring who is touring well i'll tell you who aaron lewis and sully erna announced the american drive-in tour so Looks like Aaron and Sully are going to be going around together in this fall. They're unplugged and they're performing their hits and covers side by side every night. It's all at a drive. They're all at drive-ins. So you drive in. You drive in. If you're in Kansas, Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio, Illinois, Missouri, Mississippi, Louisiana, Florida, North Carolina, Arizona, Ventura or Del Mar, California, and you're interested in this, you may be in luck. Well, I don't know if you noticed, the promoter is Danny Wimmer Presents, who I'm pretty sure Danny Wimmer is Danny Danny from the Milk Bar. Holy oh, crap. Well, 
if you just want to meet Danny from the milk bar. At a safe distance. Right. I mean, don't meet him. Yeah. Drive yeah. by him. If you're like, I think that's Danny <laughs> yes. from the milk bar. <laughs> yeah. Also, interesting note in this article, Aaron Lewis says that Sully and him have been friends for 25 years. They've been talking about doing something for the last 10. The time has finally come. And he couldn't be more excited to be bringing this to the fans in such strange times. So, Acoustic Sully, Acoustic Aaron, you're going to get the hits. And right now, i got to be honest with you, Matt, I can tell you're already thinking it. Matt, you haven't been to a concert in since Poppy. Yeah, I mean, we went to Poppy er- earlier this year, and nothing tells me to stay home more than a drive-in concert with Sully, Erna, oh see i was thinking like right now like i'm like i'm so starved for shows like maybe maybe something was close aaron lewis aaron lewis not worth the risk not (laughs) worth the risk but it's a driving you're in your car okay all right people will find a way to fuck that up (laughs) no well well i will say local h has been doing it's been a while comes on Somebody gets out of their car, or I'm not the or uh, voodoo comes on. Somebody oh, yeah. snake arms over to my car, <laughs> Coors Light in hand. They're like, hey, <laughs> this concert rules. Are you Matt from Roach Coach? And I'm like, wow, this dream is very specific. I mean, odds are they would recognize you. I mean, who um, doesn't? Who doesn't? Uh, so... I will say, uh, Local H has been doing drive-in concerts for the last couple of months, and they've been very successful and very safe. So, I will just say. All those have been in Illinois. Okay. Well, good to know that those guys, if they're doing the shows, they're doing their best to uh, keep things safe. We also have, we got a list. Jenny, we got a list. We sure do. We got a list over at Metal Injection. Five new bands that prove that new metal is back. We're back, baby. Yeah, we've got Omerta, Guerrilla Warfare, Dropout Kings, Tala, and Tetrarch. So I think we've covered all of these bands in some capacity over the last couple of months. They've come up. We've listened to some songs. But the only one, have we done anything from Omerta? I don't think so. Yeah, because the description here is, with a chaotic, fast-paced sound reminiscent of early Slipknot, Omerta's debut release, Hyperviolence, is aptly named. And the single that they link to here is the song, Garbage. Well, here's Garbage by Omerta. Yesterday, for the first time, to my memory, I wrote a poem. No, I'd like you to hear it. If you don't mind, that is. I bet you don't know I got shit to lose I bet you don't know I got shit to 
going on there a lot going on there i am i don't know how to feel that's that's wild that's wild that guy's mixing everything in there jenny what do you think of emerita i'm into it i'd like to hear more it was definitely wild (laughs) that was some wild stuff all right well thank you um i think dino sent us that list thank you so much now jenny we've got to talk about who's emailing Emails, emails. Well, uh, Timothy John Henderson sent us a very nice email that made me cry the moment I read the subject line, which was Roach Coached at the NICU. It's very long and very personal. So suffice it to say that Timothy and his wife went through a little bit of a trying time earlier this summer, and they have a brand new healthy baby named Piper Grace. So send them all of your your love and wishes yeah, there. Congratulations. Um, yeah, congrats. All of it was to say that he was having a hard time, got in his car, realized it was Wednesday, and it was the day that we released our Duke Lion episode. And uh, he just said it was a lot of fun, and it was very nice to have there, and it was a comfort. And he thanked us for what we did And I want to say thank you for sharing all that with us, because that was really one of, I made Sweet Mitchell read that email. And I was like, can you believe? And also, never to be anything other than very helpful. He also let us know that he saw Amazon Prime put up the Kitty documentary for free with an account. So everybody should check that out. We love a doc, and we love a wonderful email. Indeed, this email did warm my heart as well. So thank you. Thank you, Timothy. And congrats on that beautiful baby. He sent a picture of the baby. Beautiful baby. Beautiful baby. Roach, Roach Rider for life. Absolutely. We also got an email from Brian Manning. Subject, recommendations, and more. Way too much more. And uh, this is also another a very long email. I do not want people to stop sending us very long emails. But Jenny and I are going to be editing them a little bit. <laughs> So, uh, you know, these aren't 40-minute who's tweetings, just 30-minute who's tweetings. Brian said, I love you guys. Thank you. Uh, I've been listening off and on for a couple of years now and always find the episodes entertaining. Many of the albums you review were in my new Metal catalog. I found you all to be tough but fair. Favorite moment, I think, is Jenny calling Taproot very proficient Java developers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he said he lost it at that. Uh, seriously, that is probably exactly who they are. Keep doing what you guys are doing. And um, he gave us some feedback on some of the Flaw episodes. A lot of interesting info about Flaw and Chris Vol's solo stuff. Thank you for that. Uh, and he also gave us the stuff we're always looking for, some recommendations. Send us those Rex. We like them. And so the two recs he sent is uh, he recommends reviewing Dry Kill Logic's second album, The Dead and Dreaming. Uh, he recommended it a couple years ago, and he still recommends it. Another podcast he listens to described it as a gateway to metalcore. Definitely some good stuff on that album, especially the first four to five songs. I always thought they were the more the most underrated band, perhaps just slightly too late to the party. And uh, second thing he recommends is uh, Five Bolt Main and their album Venting. Uh, when Flaw broke up in 2004, this is the band that was formed with Vols as the frontman. The album is a bit repetitive, 
but the single's pathetic and the gift are solid new metal tracks in his humble opinion. Keep it rolling, Roach Coach. Keep Brian. it rolling, baby. And he has a PS. Uh, he wants to thank the listener that recommended Loathe. He loves that band and had never heard of them until the podcast. And he wants to pass along one that he discovered recently, Code Orange. You got to get that Code Orange in your life. Those guys, they're mixing it all together. New metal and everything else. New Code Orange record is the shit. Love it. Thank you, Brian. And finally, Jenny, Matt, we did an episode all about Fort Minor. Fort Minor. We got some feedback. Yes, we did. Uh, Brianna Wolf says two facts. One, even if that festival waited for COVID to pass, people still wouldn't be able to mosh because the venue absolutely does not allow it. I've been there for a bunch of shows. Nonpoint, no pit. Cane Hill, no pit. Super Joint Ritual, no pit. The second fact is the girl from Where'd You Go and Coming Home are the exact same girl, just going by a different name. Tricky, tricky. Tricky, tricky. Tricky, tricky, indeed. And uh, yeah, Brianna was referencing that uh, new metal festival that went on uh, that Static X was headlining. And I saw pictures and video from it. Indeed, no one was moshing, but also... It seemed <laughs> ill-advised. It seemed well. It seemed more ill-advised than seeing Sully and Aaron Lewis from your car. Just gonna say that. Okay, That's, hey, that yeah. sounds fair. That That's makes fair, sense. Yeah. Also, oh Jenny, we missed the hashtags here. Oh, I think I missed the hashtags here. They're in the doc. <laughs> hashtag Ford Taurus music. Hashtag put Kane Hill on the genius list. Okay, well Kane Hill, I believe, is still pending. We need to hear more from Kane Hill before we can definitely put them in the genius list. But thank you. Daniel Hedger said Charles Manchin went hard on this episode. Charles Manchin. Gabriel Vallejo says Charles Manchin owned this shit. Yeah, I'm spitting bars. Simon James Constable says this album is as cringeworthy as Fieldy's Dreams. Wow. Feel these dreams. Wow. Wow. I... <laughs> oh, feel these dreams. Time. Feel these dreams. dreams. Feel these dreams. I want to smoke weed. Feel these dreams. <laughs> feel these dreams. Garrett Fuller says Charles Manchin be bopping in that babe, boy. Hashtag Ford Taurus music. Ford Taurus music. Uh, Mike Palladino said there is way too much new metal math in the beginning of this episode, and I work with numbers every day. Our apologies, Mike. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't mean to put you through every it. Every day? And, <laughs> and if I see a number in the morning, I just swat I'm it right out down. of there. No, I'm like, you know you what? I get pissed at my alarm every day. <laughs> and finally, Cameron Lamance says, I had a buddy who was obsessed with this album when it came out. I hated it then. Now looking back at it years later... I still hate it. <laughs> Cameron coming in and leaving swinging. I, uh, this was my favorite my favorite comment of the month just or the episode. Just I was like, oh, maybe he changed his nope. Did not change his, nothing's changed. Grand opening, grand closing. Grand closing. Yeah. If anything, he's retrenched. So thank you so much for the pee uh, for the peedback. No, no, no. <laughs> don't pee. <laughs> don't Please pee. don't pee on us. No, don't pee, pee me got no back. Pee. Oh, no. Thank you so much for the feedback. Keep on saying hello online. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send us an email, roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. 
and it is now time to kick off new movie month new movie the month special soundtrack Cinema. spawn the album jenny when did this album come out the album was released on july 29th 1997 oh man that's uh that's pre-gaming we're pre-gaming with the with the spawn the album soundtrack jenny when did the movie come out the movie came out on august 1st 1997 okay so they dropped this record and gave you only a couple days to get acclimated before you shot over to the cinema yes find out well and of course that's because at the time new record release day was on wednesdays a new movie Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Yeah. You know, <laughs> whenever they came out. <laughs> but yes, you're you're right, Lauren. We only had a couple days to dip in here. Well, Jenny, we'll start with you. Any history with Spawn the Album and Spawn the Movie? Other than obviously my terrible mistake. No, I, I never I've definitely like upon listening to this, I had heard Long Hard Road Out of Hell, but no, no history with this. And I also don't have any history with the movie other than I was aware that it existed, but it, it was not in my realm of interest at the time that it was released. How about you, Lauren? Oh, boy. So I'm a big, I was a big, big Spawn fan in 1997. I was a top tier mark for this movie. I'm already, I'm reading the comics. I got the action figures. I got shirts which I'm wearing to my detriment, let me tell you. I got a Spawn hat my friends used to make fun of me for all the time, snapback. I was deep into Spawn. And so the promise of a movie, what a gift. Give me a Spawn movie, can't wait. Then they announced the soundtrack, and it's got all my boys on it. And I am super hyped. I can't believe it. So I am pretty sure if i didn't get this day of release i got it pretty close and yeah i mean this thing we're gonna get into it but this is this is a bit of like lauren kozlowski 97 starter pack like you want to know what was going on with me you listen to spawn the album <laughs> that was going on with me in 1997 so yeah i also saw the movie uh, opening day with my buddy anthony and i remember at the time thinking it was the best We'll see how my opinion has changed. Matt, Nas, history was spawned. The album, history was spawned. History was spawned. I uh, was a McFarlane fan. Um, definitely loved Image Comics. Was a fan of what they were doing. Had Spawn number one through five because my friend Scott Rumps just had bought them and he was like, you need to take these. And I was like, okay. Um, but I never went on to issue number six. And I think I eventually gave one through five back. Saw the movie opening night as well. And I did not leave with the feeling that this was the best movie I had ever seen. I left a lot more like, oh no. Oh no. I <laughs> uh, never picked up this soundtrack, although it has been one of those things. It's like Judgment Night, where it's just like a soundtrack A soundtrack that keeps coming back into uh, prominence in my life. Trip Like I Do, 
Uh, I know I mean, friends had it, so Trip Like I Do was a, a song that got played quite a bit. All right. Jenny, this is a compilation. Many bands, I'd say, well, it, it's... Let's talk about the concept of this record. Right. So all of the songs on this record, um, you may remember or you may not remember. I don't know what you were doing in 97 or if you were even born yet. But in uh, around 97, there was a huge, huge push for electronica uh, and, and before that. So this record is electronica bands paired up with hard rock or metal bands they collaborate on songs so each and every one of these you're going to hear some well i guess i won't say every single one is hard rock band, but pretty much uh electronica and hard rock coming together this record was a success debuted at number seven on the billboard 200 and stayed on the chart for 25 weeks and was certified gold in America. Producer on it was Happy Walters, who also was responsible for the Judgment Night soundtrack. So there you like, go. We got to get all these metal and other types of bands together with these electronic artists. Get our boy happy. Jenny, we got some genre tags. Yes, we do. The genre tags are electronic rock, industrial rock, industrial metal, and new metal. There you go. There um, it is. Review-wise, they got three reviews listed on Wikipedia. Two and a half out of five from AllMusic. An A from Entertainment Weekly. And three out of five from Rolling Stone. They do not have a link to the Rolling Stone article itself. But I distinctly remember flipping the pages to that Spawn review, seeing that three out of five, and going, I beg your pardon? I think you're missing two stars. I think you think you need to send this back up three nah this thing straight to the top i was all in on this record in a way i I remember being like how dare they i remember reading that review like let me let me see what this motherfucker daggers say yeah daggers from lauren three stars three stars were you saying this record's fine (sighs) how how old are you in 97 lauren i am I want to say I'm 15. Oh, yeah. That's like prime teenager age time. I just know. I'm 20. <laughs> <laughs> I am, yeah. I mean, nothing. I mean, just like, I just need to transfer all that anger, all that oh, pent up at this three star spawn review. How dare you? So, uh, sadly, the, there's no link to the text, so I can't dig back through and tear it apart. But. Mm. so be it it'll you'll get to eventually eh, one day one day yeah i i do want to mention matt you had mentioned uh you had issues one through five of spawn i believe and i haven't checked but i believe i have issues one through i want to say like 115 but bagged and boarded thing, no <laughs> no at a certain point you uh the certain comics get bagged and bored and in other ones you're like well it's spawn we're, we're fine because the thing with spawn is that and i had to be reminded of this when i read a couple of reviews of the album and the movie is that spawn got a little repetitive and you'd find yourself looking at issue 72 for example and realize that you're still in an alley we're still arguing with homeless people we're still fighting the same guys 
we still are unclear on our long game. And you're like, how much longer am I going to stick around with this thing? And I think I dropped the comic in the hundreds when they just started fighting vampires. And I said, it's time to tap out. Which happens. It happens. I will, credit where it's due, Spawn, still going strong. Just celebrated 300 issues. so Or 200. I, I can't remember. Probably 300. Probably 300. Roachcoach.com. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All well, right. Show well, us your favorite variants. Yeah, absolutely. Abs- I do want to see those. Uh, so that's it. Will, um, Jenny, you and I did watch the movie. I guess, real quick, what would you think of the movie? You know, I will say there is a vibe to many New Line Cinema 90s movies that I would describe as very much my shit that is like feels like home to me and I pretty much immediately got that vibe from this movie there was a moment where I was I felt some resistance and then I was like the best path forward maybe the only path forward is just to accept what this film is giving you as soon as I was just like there to accept it I had a great time watching this movie. It was so fun to watch. It was. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But I, I had a great time watching this movie. Lauren, how about you? So uh, this was my first uh, rewatch since the theater, uh, or at least in my memory. I think I had this movie on tape, but I can't remember ever watching it a second time. A lot of it felt there was a lot of stuff that I was like remembering. And then there was some stuff that was just, it felt like I couldn't remember. And I'd watched the director's cut and, uh, read online. Basically the big differences in the director's cut is just a lot more crude jokes, uh, from John Leguizamo as clown and a little bit more violence, but still no blood, no blood. People spawn is just shooting people. And there is nary a drop of blood to be found, but he is, He's ripping him up. At one point, Spawn, well, before he gets turned into Spawn, Al gets shot in the leg with a machine gun. There is no blood <laughs> at all. He's just like limping around like, oh, this this feels terrible. I also think that I did initially get really worried for the first half an hour of the movie. I remember just saying to myself, this is bad. And then I just sort of had to let myself go as you said, Jenny, and just sort of let it wash over you. And then if I if I stopped looking at it so much as a thing that's trying to give me a plot and characters, and I started looking at it more as, I don't know, outsider art or something like that, it's a much easier uh, it's a much easier pill to swallow. And then I, I wanted to check on my guy, my guy, the late great Roger Ebert, and his review did not disappoint. He gave this movie three and a half out of four stars. And I won't read the whole thing, but this is what he said at the, at the top. Spawn is best seen as an experimental art film. It walks and talks like a big budget horror film, heavy on special effects and pitched at the teenage audience. And maybe that's how it will be received. But it's more impressive if you ignore the genre and just look at what's on the screen. What we have here are creators in several different areas doing their best to push the envelope. The subject is simply an excuse for their art just as it always is with serious artists. And he goes in to talk about the plot and various things like that. And then he closes out and says, 
So the way to view the movie, I think, is to consider the story as the frame, necessary but upstaged by what it contains, which in this case is some of the most impressive effects I've seen. The disciplines blend into one another. Animation, makeup, costuming, process shots, morphing. They create a place and a look as specific as the places evoked in such films as Metropolis and Blade Runner. As visual experience, Spawn is unforgettable. You're crazy for this one, bro. <laughs> You're crazy for this one, Roger. I get it. He went on the ride. He went on the ride. The thing about it is that the special effects in this movie range from impressive to pure well, horseshit. Just really bad. <laughs> the and then worst. We were researching, Jenny. They were getting special effects returned to them, like, what, two weeks before the movie was set to come out? Yeah. You can tell. I, I could guess which ones those were. <laughs> I think and his name yeah. is Malbolgia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It gave me uh I don't know if either one of you watched the show, but Hercules the Legendary Journeys with oh, uh, yes. Kevin Sorbo. The the <laughs> those pieces of this Yes, my my favorite gift of all. But uh yeah, it really gave me like the creatures in that show. That was the vibe of the what is it? Mal Bolgia. Malbolgia stuff. I feel like the violator fight holds up. Yes. A lot better than the the, when they're in hell, that just looks (laughs) like in the mind's eye. That is just Yeah. Lawnmower man, non gobbledygook. Well, that's what's so that did take me out of it just a little bit because the violator stuff was really good. And I'm like, but you see like Melboja and like hell and all of that first so many times that when that started, I was like, excuse me? You have this in you? What the fuck is going on in these hell scenes? Yeah, it's like that Mac was rendering and just couldn't do anymore. It's it's really inexplicable. And then uh, I found a bit of trivia. I think it's on one of the commentary tracks where they try to excuse the fact that Mel Bolzia's, uh dialogue never matches his mouth uh, because he is speaking from all of hell. So it's not that it's coming out of his vo- his mouth; is that he emanates from everyone. So he's basically when you're in hell and Mel Bolger is talking to you, you're getting that dude in straight surround. Five point one. Good for that's them how you hear being ride or die for the movie they made. I mean that's 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 the way it's done. The movie was directed. We should mention by Mark Dip. Is that say that right? Mark Dip. Mark Dippy. And he has not directed anything else. And you could read that as. A, a one-and-done classic? Or you could look at it as somebody saying, brush my hands off. How am I going to top that? I'm going to go take a break. Sit by the pool. His like thing, though, I think mostly was being... Didn't he do the visual effects for Jurassic Park? Yeah, he did uh, Jurassic Park visual effects, and he worked on the T-1000 for Terminator 2. which Both of which hold you. up, in my opinion. I would agree, 100%. Yeah, the T-1000 yeah. absolutely holds up. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, also, I got to say, this movie is uh, 96 minutes long. There were some parts early on where I was like... Could have been 90. Let's let's go. Let's go. <laughs> but in any event, we'll talk more about Spawn as we go through, but we got to get to these 
tracks. Yes, we do. And the first track on the Spawn the Album is Can't You Trip Like I Do by The Crystal Method and Filter. Dare I say iconic? You may. Does this one have the drop in it? It does. If you go to 145. Oh, it just sounds like it was made in a computer. I love it so much. So let me tell you. Prior to this song, I liked Filter. Then I heard this song, and I was like, "Sign me up, filthy, filthy for life, filthy for I mean, life, filthy for life." This is this is filter. This is what filter's doing. Absolutely, let's fucking go. I wrote in my notes truly when I became a filthy. Got some bleeps and bloops, and really, what is going to set the tone for this album? I wrote in my notes. It's an all timer. It's a hot. It's a hot track. It's incredible. So I have I tried to find it. I could not find it. But right when this album was coming out, this song was getting some play on our local station, 89X. And I was home on a Friday playing video games, as one does. They are 15 years old and incredibly popular. And they were like, call in. Request a track. So I called in. And got on the mic with Fat Matt. Classic DJ. Classic DJ. Classic DJ. Love Fat Matt. And I was like, I really want to hear Can't You Trip Like I Do? Filter Crystal Method. And he's like, Oh, yeah? What are you doing tonight? Playing a spawn video game? And what I should have said was, Yeah, man. Yeah. Just something super chill. I should just been like a chill person. Mm but i was 15 i'm way no chill zone mm-hmm. i got no chill zone zero chill and i said oh no 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 i'm playing a dark forces 2 uh jedi knight for the computer it's a star wars game and the guy goes and fat matt bless his heart says all right well cool we're going to hook you up with the soundtrack fatal last words for me Mr. Nervous, Mr. No Chill. Because I hear that. You're going to hook me up with the soundtrack? Oh, they're going to... I just I just lucked into a giveaway, you guys. I'm getting the CD. So I was like, cool, great. And I stayed on the line. And then he hung up. And I was like, hmm. Well, don't know what that means. 
So I hung up the phone, and then I had a tape. I'm telling this. Oh God, I had a tape in my in my boombox because I had a boombox. It was 1997, and I waited until he played our conversation on the radio, and I taped it. So I had my intro, me talking into this song. So then I'm like, I go downstairs. I sit at my parents. I think I just won a CD on the radio. And they were like, what? You did? I said, yeah. And I recounted what happened. And they said, I, I, don't, I don't think you won. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, did they take your name? Did they take like, your, your address? I was like, well, no. He's like, but this is what he said. He said, I'm going to hook you up with a soundtrack. And I was like, I, I, don't, I don't think you're going to win. I don't think you get anything. And so then I went upstairs and I played them the tape. And they were like, Warren, he's just telling you he's going to play the song. He's, you're, you're not going to win. And I was in denial about this for a while. <laughs> I ended up buying the CD for myself. But there was a couple days there where I was like, maybe, maybe they're wrong. And there's like, they had caller ID with all my info. I remember telling myself that, trying to fool myself into thinking that. This tape exists somewhere, and I'm going to promise you guys, if I find it, I will play it, because it is probably even more embarrassing than I am making it out to be. Well, I, for one, need you to find this tape. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jenny and I have a vested interest in you finding this tape. Okay. All right. Well, I will hunt that down. So, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm all sweating now. Jenny, what'd you think of Can't You Triple Guide? I, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I, I cannot tell you after that story. I'll just say I didn't like it as much as you and Matt do. And I think that's okay. This is 100% both of your shit coming together. And the Venn diagram of things that are my shit in this is like, I don't know where. It's like in a different page. And that's okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because I am Fair. not a filthy by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I dig this song. I dig this song a lot, but I get it. It also, when I hear it right now, it is like, it's like hearing doo-wop. It's like, oh boy, this is old. Like it does, you know what I mean? But like the production, everything about this screams 1997. There isn't an ounce of this that feels like anything other than 1997. It's very true. This song had a music video. It was the first single from the album. Video has both filter, original lineup of uh, Richard Patrick and Brian Lay's gang with the gentleman from Crystal Method. They are, I don't even know, chasing each other around. There's um, mannequins and then there's people. So they're obviously tripping out. Richard Patrick is hooked up to some machines that seem to be manipulated by Crystal Method. And at the end of the song, they all kind of rock out. And Crystal Method are doing that thing. It always bugged me where they're just two guys with synths, you know, and some effects. But really, they're just if you go see Crystal Method, they're just two guys with synths. And if you've ever seen any electronic artist live, they have to do something because they can't really do anything. You can't run around with a synth you can't yeah they have anything. to have a kick-ass light show you gotta do something yeah and so what crystal method would do and i've seen them you know on some mtv stuff and this is their move is that they had their keyboards 
bolted onto their stands so that they could tip them and move them around, you know, just to oversell, like pressing a key or something like that. And it always felt like too much to me. Like I was like, dude, we know you don't need to do that. The fallacy of guitar face is one thing, but you still, there's still that effort of like, you could sort of get away with it. It's like, we know it's fake, but we buy the fantasy, but you don't, no one's ever needed to tilt, to push their keyboard so hard that it's tilting down at me, you know? So it always felt like too much. I, I, it's always been something that, I mean, I don't hate it, but I'm just sort of like, dude, come on, what are we doing here? It still bothers you. Yeah. <sighs> Bugs the shit out of me. We can see that Lauren. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily enough for us, songmeanings.com has some comments on this song about what it means what's going on and also some thoughts on the movie on spawn the movie uh commenter tcap says another example of a great song supporting a piece of shit movie this song is really self-explanatory the narrator feels he's achieved a new state of mind after well taking acid really cool high-tech futuristic effects throughout the song Thank you, TCAP. But then, Jenny, we got this comment from Lottie Friggin' Da. Lottie Friggin' Da says, OMG, awesome song from a sweet movie. You gotta love Spawn. So many great phrases in this one. Rationale of a New York cop. Back on my feet like a freight train. I'm coming. I love it. All caps. There you go. And uh, finally, Chamberman. Commenter Chamberman has an excerpt from a Richard Patrick interview where he says the lyrics are childish. And he said that uh, he is not a reader of Spawn. And he says, uh, the song is like an innocent child trying to communicate the understanding of a four-year-old, the rationale of a New York cop. Essentially, it's like, I've done things in my life. Why don't you give them a shot? Can't everybody feel like I do? And then he said, it's just a kind of over-the-top fucking anthem about tripping fucking acid so there you go i feel like everyone who has done acid has done more acid than i did when i've done acid because what people describe and what i experienced are just worlds apart so i was like i lost my mind nothing was uh, and i'm just like i looked at bugs for a long time and thought about how everything <laughs> is connected in the universe and like had a lot of thoughts about the world and people and how we're all connected but like i don't know my time may have passed you know maybe i'll have never have my my crystal method <laughs> trip I think you're. I think you're safe. <laughs> I think so. Jenny marked uh, safe from crystal method trip. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. All right, let's do it. Um, oh, and this song. Oh, also, this song in the movie is only played over the credits. Yeah, it's a real credits. And I I remember feeling, especially during this time, that anytime that there was a soundtrack be at the crow or something like that. I would go to the movie being like, they better play this song over the most kick-ass action sequence. And they never do. They never they do. They never do. So, I, I thought that they yeah. played this song over the, uh, 
the the it's not a car chase sequence, but basically the car chase sequence. No, that is that is the Prodigy song. Oh, got it. So I'm gonna let you know right now. A lot of these songs sounded pretty much the same to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> that makes sense. Although I will say, I think the sin of playing a great song in your movie and not including it on the soundtrack is worse. And I'm looking at the Babysitters Club <laughs> soundtrack that did not have "Better Than Ezra's Good" on it, though it was in the preview for the movie. <laughs> my oh, my Jenny. heart's still Ooh. broken. Okay, Jenny is not over that, Matt. <laughs> no, we're all bringing our grievances today. <laughs> all right. Up next, we've got Long Hard Road Out of Hell, uh, Marilyn Manson and the Sneaker Pimps. So this is Prime Era Manson. He's in the zone. I remember hearing this song and thinking, well, he gave us a brand new one. We're really doing it on this record. But then I remember hearing a bit of controversy that Sneaker Pimps had barely next to nothing to do with the song, that they did not get along in the studio, and that at one point Manson said, I think that like Sneaker Pimps gave him like just shit. And they, they just had to do their own thing because there was nothing they could do with what Sneaker Pimps gave them. And I tried to find, I feel like MTV News did like a breakdown of this record and like had some like in the studio stuff. And there was like a picture of like Manson in the studio with the lead singer of Sneaker Pimps uh, at one point, but I couldn't find it. It's not on the internet. Lost a time. But when you listen to the song, I mean, besides the cooing, do do doos. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you what sneaker pimps really bring to this thing at all. It's really just sounds like a Marilyn Manson song and a pretty good one at that. I'd say Jenny thoughts. Yeah. You don't really get sneaker pimps on this very much. And I did read that they were dissatisfied with the mix. They wanted to release a different record and Marilyn Manson was like, no. And this is still one of his faves. It's not a surprise to me that it'd be unpleasant to be in the studio 
with Marilyn Manson, <laughs> given that he's a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> so true, true. Did you watch the music video for this song, Jenny? You know what? I didn't. So, so tell me about it. It's 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 a real trip. I I remember seeing it for the first time, and it, Marilyn Manson is pushing his androgynous look to the hilt. I don't even say androgynous isn't even the thing. He's looking. He looks like a basically has his makeup done to look like a woman in the video. He's wearing women's clothes through the whole thing. And there's all these shots where he's basically in static poses with a female model and they're like messing around and, but it's all just like frozen poses. And then at the end of the video, they're like on a bed together and they're like touching tongues and everything. And then Manson's sort of straddling her and then the cut to him, pull her shirt up. It's a man, baby twist wow also i gotta say manson he's uh really feeling himself in this video there is an entire verse that he does the entire second verse in the video he performs completely naked on a couch just going for it so if you ever want to see that check out youtube.com hmm. it's on there and it's also on the it's also on the blu-ray of the uh, of the uh, Spawn movie, they're like so. This is go. right between Antichrist Superstar and Mechanical Animals in his timeline. It, it is. This is this is Manson at his peak. This is Manson. Yeah, he's riding high. Peak of uh, his powers. Peak of his powers. He's doing it. So um, basically, setting up the uh, tour banter that he will be using for years to come. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. I was surprised. I watched the video. I was surprised he did not break out a pair of stilts. I was like, why not? Why not? Why not go for it? But he did not. These lyrics, this song title, very tied into this movie. Perfect tie-in. And I said, this is a hot track. Just like hell. Wow. Wow. I know. That's why people listen to this show for insight like that. We're off to a strong start. And uh, this song gets played in the movie a ton. I feel like they're just dropping it in. If they're not sure what to do, they just play the Manson song. Play the Manson, Manson song. peak powers. Play it again. Play it again. Play it again. It's perfect time for it. And uh, and then plays over the closing credits, which we gotta say, Jenny, those closing credits—they're wacky. They yeah, Seems they like they're tilting. Oh my gosh! It, it really. If there is one, I was I was looking for new metal themes to come out both in the soundtrack and in the film. And if there's one thing that is truly new metal about this film, it is the credits are so hard to read <laughs> and just <laughs> tilty and extremely stylized. And I was like, that's so very new metal. So very new metal. And yes, eventually we get like stills during the credits too, which is very, it's like a very abrupt shift. You know, that was the, that was the time, you know, it's, it's that thing of like, uh, it's like you watch an old movie and it's like the opening credits are like telling you like who's guest starring. You're like, how the hell do you guest star in a movie? It's a one-time deal. What? Yeah. Just back in those old timey days in 1997, they were like, put some stills at the end. Show everybody that they had a good time making Spawn. Well, what I, what I did like about, well, I don't know if it's what I liked. It's something I came to love about the movie was, especially in the beginning, and you, you saying like guest star at the beginning made you think of this. Like, 
it kind of petered out toward the end. But in the beginning, anytime you had a question about what was going on that was about to come off, like you'd get this like Coliostro person <laughs> that would come in and just narrate, tell you exactly what's going on, tell you exactly what like everybody is like thinking and feeling and what their motivations are. <laughs> like anytime Mitch would be like, what's the, and then this, the narration would come in and I'm just like, thank you for this exposition. Thank you. Like <laughs> Spawn does all the work for you. <laughs> And I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. It was like telling me to put my feet up and relax. And I was like, I will. You don't have to ask me twice. It seems that you've got this well under control. Oh, yeah. They're like, I can see why you'd have a question here. Let me answer it for you. It was just like a wonderful experience. Yeah, it was something where I thought, I thought you know, people would people would dog on a movie that did this now. But at the same time, it seems like something that I think people would really appreciate because it's always the thing of like, oh, man, it's like the 17th Marvel movie. How lost am I going to be? Do I need to watch all the other ones? But it's like if you had, you know, an Iron Man 3, just Cogliostro or somebody just being like, Iron Man is Tony Stark and he lives here. You'd be like, oh, okay, All right. I know what's going on here. This is his girlfriend, Pepper Potts. Okay, All right. Okay. Because that's what Spawn Cause they've does. got. They've, Spawn has five years of world building at this point. First comic comes out May 1992, so they they needed to throw a lifeline out to people who are just like, oh, cool, a new movie, like me, like Jenny. Yeah. What was also funny to notice about it was it made me think about how nowadays in a Marvel movie it's like packed with Easter eggs but they're they're never really drawn out like somebody will be like named after a creator or something like that but in this movie every single easter egg is literally like dwelled upon to a point where it's like do you see it hey fans you see the easter egg here it is here oh, it is that that is in the mcfarlane wing did you yeah, say I, the mcfarlane wing well so for one tom mcfarlane has a cameo in this movie if you know what he looks like, then you, you catch it. Jenny, you do I assume do not know what Tom McFarlane looks like. Wow. You're right. <laughs> okay. How dare, How dare you? you be so absolutely correct? <laughs> Who was he uh, in this? He is he was a bum in the alley during the violator fight who um Spawn keeps putting his gun on and he keeps putting his hands up. And I feel like in any other movie, like even a Stanley cameo. He's like, has says one line and then he's out. But Tom McFarlane clearly was on set for like two days. Just, yeah. they're like, do another shot of Todd. Another shot of Todd. Todd's in this scene. He's hanging out in his bum clothes. So you see him. Todd um, is chewing up that scenery. Chewing it up. I think we're ready for the next track. All right. Up next, we've got Satan, Orbital, and Kirk Hammett. Satan, 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 Satan.
imagine, as Orbital doesn't sing, and neither does Kirk Hammett. To his detriment. I mean, could you imagine you put this on, they say, hey, we want to get Kirk Hammett on this song. And they send it to him, expecting him to send back some riffs. And instead, Kirk's like, I decided I wanted to try out some singing. Hetfield's always hogging that mic. <laughs> Papa's ready to show them show them pipes. It's Hammett time. Hammett time, baby. There we go. I got some real chill lyrics to tell you because I just got off them waves because I love to surf. He sure does, as we learn. I'm married to the water and my music. Mm. Uh, so this, to me, was just like an extremely 1997 video game movie song. <laughs> like, <laughs> you could wrap this up and give it to someone as a gift. It's like, what would it be like? Like, just like this. <laughs> it's just this over and <laughs> well, over you see, again. You're in a dungeon with a gun and you have to kill some demons. Boop, 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 boop. I, I, the thing that was very interesting listening to this over the last week was, for one, realizing that I listened to this album probably more than almost any other album I owned in the 90s. I mean, this thing embedded in my DNA. Uh, but on top of that, as much as, and I know we're only on track three, but as much as they're like, this song has Zeker Pimps, and this song has Crystal Method, and this song has Moby, everybody is largely giving us the same beeps and boops. <laughs> Yes. Uh, a lot of the same beeps and boops and also a lot of the same filters that make it sound vaguely like we're underwater. That seems to be a common move that everybody is doing. It's I don't know what the filter's called. I don't know if it's called submersion or something. But I believe it it's called uh, producing on a Mac in the 90s. Oh, okay. Is that what it is? I think so uh, because, yeah, a lot of electronic music of the time has that sound to it. And I think it's just because of compression rates. There you go. Matt knows. Matt knows. I or and, uh, I'm, I'm or I don't. But <laughs> no, 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 Matt. Matt, you fucking know. All right, don't walk yeah. this back. Trust you yourself. I'm not walking it back. back. Trust don't yourself. Back. Trust Listen. yourself. Pro tools. Listen. Nah. Listen. Anybody wants to write in and not correct you, we don't have to read them on who's tweeting. We can delete that shit. We moderate that page, baby. Seven strings. Uh. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Uh, this. Oh, yeah. go ahead. I was going to say, this song is in the movie. They do play it over, I believe, a montage of Spawn getting some guns and walking, maybe? I don't know. Spawn does more walking than I originally realized. Well, that um, suit isn't exactly, I don't know, for the limber. When he's in the full Spawn regalia, it, it is very obvious that that is a stiff suit. Well, we should, you know, we have not talked about, Jenny, can you give us, in brief, the plot of Spawn? Spawn is about a government agent who is on his last mission before he gives it up because he just wants to be home safe with his wife, finds out he's been double-crossed by an evil government person. He's killed He's sent to hell. From his own team. The caller was inside the house. The caller was inside his house and his name was Marty Sheen. <laughs> Goes to hell. Is somehow selected to be the leader of Satan's army. And they're going to go to heaven and knock knock on those gates and just tear it all down. 
but first something bad has to happen on earth and so then he like wakes up in an alley and they're like you're spawn he's like what and they're like you don't get it and then they like are like no you still don't get it no you still don't get it no you still don't get it and then somebody else shows up and is like you might be redeemable and he's like yeah and the guy's like you don't get it you don't get it you don't get it and then eventually he gets it and there's a clown that farts and cheerleads, and it's John Leguizamo in an inspired and career-making performance. <laughs> and there's a dog named Spaz. <laughs> that's dog that's named as Spaz. brief as I can be. That's it. I think Jenny nailed it. I, I don't think you missed a thing. Well, we'll get into some other things, some plot <laughs> moments that we have to discuss we do. as we go through. We have to. We do. But we've got to get to this next song. Yes, we do. Up next, we've got Kick the P.A., Corn and the Dust Brothers. The question of the day, if you're on songmeanings.com, is this song called PA or is this song called BA? And if it is PA, what does PA stand for? That is the question. Some people think that it's about a parental advisory. Get that parental advisory out of here because this is the prime era when that parental advisory is both a gift and a curse. It lets everybody know, does CD got a parental advisory? I'm going to need that right now. But it also means that you might get some restrictions from parents, from teachers, or the worst, the narc at the record store. Mm. Let me tell you. But you know what the thing about those narcs at the record store, man? Easily bought, easily tricked. Let me tell you a quick story. My buddy, Alan. Okay. Alan, always up to something. He's like, I'm getting doggy style by Snoop Dogg. It's happening. I'm like, how? It's got parental advisory on it. Who's going to sell it to you? He's like, watch this. We go to Blockbuster Music. Goes in, grabs a bunch of CDs, including doggy style. Puts it down there. They start scanning them. Guy goes, oh. How old are you? He goes, why? He goes, his parental advisor, we can't sell to you. He goes, oh, my mom came here earlier, listened to the CD at your listening station. She says it's okay. And the guy's like, yeah? And I'm like, is this going to work? <laughs> and then another employee, this woman, 
came over to the counter and was like, oh, yeah, his mom came in earlier and listened. And he's like, oh, all right. Scanned it through. We get him. I walk out. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Your mom came here earlier? And he goes, dude, I don't know why that woman came up. I don't know her. That was nuts. That's an angel right there. An angel. An angel. Came down from heaven. She's like, I got to get these guys Snoop Doggy Dog Doggy style. And uh, couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Let me tell you. Wow. I had a friend who ran into a similar issue trying to purchase Master P's Ghetto D from Best Buy. And he did not have an angel drop from the heavens to get that for him, unfortunately. It's too bad. Well, some of the other things this song could be about Prince Albert. The piercing, not <laughs> yes. the prince. Um, panic attacks. Pain attacks. Uh <laughs> There's a comment from Ixuths that says, PA, parental advisory. I agree with the above. PA, amp. Could be. <laughs> nope. PA, personal assistant? Manager? <laughs> that was, those were my favorite. Pain, anger. Never given it two seconds the other side of public address system, which is what a PA is. Like, I don't. Why? What? I mean, there's a quote from David of Corn in one of these comments. Uh, let me find it. Here it is. Uh, commenter Mantis Cole said that David said in an interview that this song is about people who think they, they feel John's pain and can relate to it. They think they know what he's going through, but they don't. So many people say to John, I wish I could be you or I wish I'd be like you, which kind of pisses him off sometimes. They don't seem to understand what he was had to go through in his life to have the emotions that make him a great singer. He doesn't want any of it. He give up his career to make it all go away. Heavy quote from David. Oh, then PA, to- like public address system, totally makes sense. Please Absolutely. take away my voice. Please take away this thing. Matt Nas, you just cracked the code. You did. But Co- consider. Oh. Oh. Personal assistant. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> yes. Jenny, Jenny has something here. Hey. Jenny's on something. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Uh, real quick, what did we think of the song? Wow. <laughs> oh. It's fine. It's a, yeah, it's, I, a coo- it's a kooky corn song. I, I remember not liking it at the time. When I first heard it, I remember that I was like, I hadn't heard it till I got the CD and remember thinking, hmm, this is not really what I was hoping for. But over time, I've obviously listened to it, I don't know, a million times. So now I'm like, yeah, that's fine. That's good. And this also, we should mention, this is pre-Follow the Leader. So this is still them bubbling under with the self-titled and Life is Peachy. I'm going to have to rewind for a minute because I'm just realizing the audacity of someone's mom walking into the into the Best Buy hearing ain't no fun if the homies can't have none and being like, this is cool. <laughs> this is perfect for a 15-year-old. <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, he made that up. That's not true. Oh, I know, but uh, just following that line with the lie is this idea that there is a mom who comes in, here's ain't no fun if the homies can't have none, and is like, uh, yeah, yeah, I like the part where uh, the girl gets shared amongst all the homies. That, That's what I want for my son. He 
puts his balls in her mouth. And that's the part that I like for my son. As long as he's having his balls taken care of. You know what? You can't get pregnant putting your balls in someone's mouth. That's what I say. That's a a fact. That's a fact. Well, you can look that up. Yeah. Google that. On incognito mode. All right. Well, I think we're ready. I think we're ready for the next song. Oh, this song. Oh, also this song, not in the movie at all. Mm. A true omission. All right. Up next, we've got Tiny Rubber Band, Butthole Surfers, and Moby. Remember when uh, Pepper hit and the Butthole Surfers became a popular band and everybody bought the record thinking it was going to be a bunch of songs like Pepper and then they realized that that would be the only song that sounded like that? Oh, good times. I remember that Butthole Surfers was part of that post-Back Loser wave where you just got a bunch of songs that were... Yeah, some guy sort of talking in like a half rap nonsense lyrics, and and I remember the thing with Butthole Surfers though was that they they were a band that existed already, and this was a fluke moment, but they were always been an underground weirdo band since 1981. Yeah, and so it was like okay, you know, and I remember going to band camp and like my camp counselor had like older albums like pre Electric Larry Land. I was like, oh, this guy's hardcore. He's got old Butthole Surfers stuff. Uh, but yeah, outside of, you know, Pepper and this song, I mean, just about anything else I ever heard by them, I was like, you can keep it. Not for me. I mean, if you told me that they got, you know, sent a check and were like, hey, do a song with Moby. And they were like, sure. And they dashed this off in an afternoon. I would believe you and I wouldn't blame them. Hmm. What do you think of this one, Jenny? I actually liked it. I don't know if it works. But I liked it more than the other stuff on here. And it's probably not a surprise to you that I like butthole surfers. Oh, you you into the deep cuts? You know those butt I, deep? No, deep- I wouldn't say that I'm like a huge, like, I wouldn't go to butthole surfers trivia night. I'll say that. Me neither. But, I know but what you're I, saying. But I, what a I night, do, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a very specific night. The people who do attend do very well. <laughs> yeah. They're on it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not like I don't know a band for some reason. Butthole Surfers like saying you're into a band like that. I automatically feel like I'm going to be quizzed, and I'm like, no, 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 no. 
I'm just saying I like it. And then I run away and retreat. But I, I liked, I did like this song. I'm not much of a Moby person. I don't think, I just never like, I wouldn't definitely not say that like electronica as a genre ever really fully captured me in the same way that other genres did. That's not to say that I didn't like any of it, but it just, it just never really like captured me. So I'm not, I'm not super into Moby, but so far of the songs we have heard on this record, this one is my fave. Interesting. I, I will say that when this record came out, I was, my, my love of electronic music was burgeoning. I had Chemical Brothers, Dig Your Own Hole and Exit Planet Dust. I was, I mean, Chemical Brothers, forget about it. I don't know. Top five, top 10 for me. Love those guys forever. I was also getting into Fatboy Slim. Um, Prodigy, of course. So this was like, yeah, let's let's make this happen. You know, this is this is my thing. Moby, I was somebody that I, I feel like I would always hear about him, but there was nothing that I would ever like want to grab. And then I remember the record that was out around the time of this album was actually not his electronic record, but he did a punk record called Animal Rights. And I remember yes. that thing was like horribly reviewed. Everybody's like, it's pretty bad. Don't get it. But I remember it got major press. I remember they he did a cover of That's When I Reached for My Revolver. They got a lot bunch of play on MTV2. So I was well aware of it, but I just remember all the reviews are really bad. It's a used bin staple. And so, yeah, so I didn't know. So then when he dropped Play in 99, is that when Play comes out? Sounds yeah. right. I was initially skeptical, but then he did he did this song i think it was on like comcast music choice is how i heard about it that's how i used to find out about new music i'd watch comcast music choice channel and uh it was it basically reminded me of like a i don't remember what it was called body rock or something like that basically sounds sort of like a fat boy slim song really and then i was like yeah give me that cd and then yeah i was one of those millions of people that bought play and also got tricked into buying what was the next record called 1813 something like that yeah i did not buy that record yeah I, but I, much like everybody, bought bought Play. They got you. There was a they copy of Play at my home. Belonged to my brother, but it was there. There it is. There it is. Uh, com. two comments. The one I like is from Dislocate Hate, who said, only song associated with Moby that I like. And I'd have to say I like it a lot. Good old butthole surfers. Good old butthole surfers. Who could deny all right, up next, we've got <laughs> For Whom the Bell Tolls, The Irony of It All, Metallica and DJ Spooky. This version or SM2? Come on. Oh, Matt, if you want to go to 120. You got it, buddy. Fuck you. No, Matt! No, Matt, wait! What? You gotta keep it going! 
is so not good. That is not good. Let me tell you. When this came out... Go to your notes. Let me go to my notes. So first of all, giving them drums. That's what I wrote in my notes. Give me them dance drums, I should mention. I remember hearing this song and thinking, sure, fine, whatever. But then reading that amongst Metallica fans, this was obscene. This was sacrilege. How dare they allow this to happen to the beautiful jewel that is for whom the bell tolls. Could not believe that they allowed this to happen. This was before the drums on St. Anger. The controversy was how dare Metallica let DJ Spooky do this. So I got to. T- yeah, yeah, go no, ahead. No, you go. Well, I just got to say, like, I think it works on this album. I mean, am I going to listen to this song anywhere else outside the context of Spawn the album? No. But in the world of Spawn, which is made up of clowns and demons and special soups with giant capes, this works. This is fine. Jenny. So apparently this song was on not only the Spawn soundtrack, but was on the single The Memory Remains. And I had the single The Memory Remains, which makes me wonder, did I listen to this song? I don't remember it. I probably wouldn't have liked it. But I mean, if I if my vibe was Memory Remains, <laughs> this, was, this is the opposite this of that. This is not the same. But yeah, I mean, it does. I think it does work in the context of this soundtrack. But I also remember at this time... There was a lot of like very fierce protection of and like a lot of resistance to that like genre crossing things from people who were like true metal fans, if I recall correctly. Like there was even I mean, I know this is when new metal was like coming up and about to really pop off, but I recall there being a lot of resistance around this type of thing at that time. I was pretty young, but I think I do remember that. Yeah, there definitely was still a lot of puritanical leanings in regards to what you could listen. I mean, I remember in my high school, you were either into rap or you were into rock, and you could not listen to both. And one kid, he was all about Manson, he was all about rock music. He was a stoner. He was a whole bunch of trouble. And he got in a whole bunch of trouble. And he was gone one day. And then everyone's like, hey, he's coming back. But he's changed. <laughs> like, what do you mean he's changed? He cut his hair. He's clean cut now. And he listens to rap. Wait, what? what? He loves Tupac. What? And indeed, this guy rolled back in. Hair cut fingernails clean shirt button up listening to tupac there you go it's like this guy this guy used to be running around with a jug of apple juice all day trying to clean his pee for his drug test and now here he is clean as a whistle listening to tupac what a journey he was on i mean i cannot remember his name i got well, i know I know his mom. Oh, yeah? Yeah. His mom went to a Best Buy. 
and uh, went to the listening station, and she she listened to Tupac, All Eyes on Me, uh-huh. and uh, she said it was fine for him to have it. Matt, are you at all disappointed with the fact that in the future that your daughter's going into, and my son, that the listening station option, not even a, not even a thing for them? If anything, she's just going to grab your phone and listen to whatever she wants. Here's what I know. She will never know the world that I knew. But, yep, that's it. <laughs> Matt, I thought you were really going to go in on that. But, I mean, at the same time, that statement is very succinct and correct. Yeah. I think we can I think we can all say that. And, I mean, and, I barely know the world I knew right now. So. Well, that's, that's the whole thing. It's like, I don't want to be so nostalgic that I hold her back from the reality that is now. You know, or else I might end up with a statement like, uh, it used to be better. And I just, I'm kind of opposed to that thought. We need to make but now better. Yeah. Like everybody thinking the good old days are the days that they were comfortable. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) Like, you know, and that's the thing is like when I listened to this from 1997, which I was having a great time in 1997. Don't get me wrong, but like, I hear, I see the cracks. You know, I find the faults now. I also am a lot softer on things too. But this I'm a little bit harsher on because I loved this style of music. And now I have kind of like adult Matt ears and I hear it and I go, oh, this was okay. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, back in 1997, I was uh, playing a game called Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight for the PC. (laughs) Yes. 97... I mean, look, I'm not going to say I was like the bad boy stoner at your school, but I did have a transformation from eighth grade to ninth grade, which I've told you about here. I was full Jinkos, skateboard tees, as I've confessed, never skateboarded a day in my life. Did have Kona Nash skateboard, not good at it. But I showed up to John Glenn High School in 1998 and... Fuck me if I didn't have a pair of flares and a Tommy Hilfiger shirt on. I changed. There she is. (laughs) Jenny, I'm going to say it. That sounds like a glow up. Sounds like a glow up. I, you know, I listened to rap. So I went from, yeah, listening to rock to listening to rap. Didn't take long for me to figure out that you can listen to more than one kind of music. But (laughs) what a moment. I came into my freshman year with a new identity and it wasn't a good choice. Well, you know, if you wanted to find uh, Lauren at that time, he was hanging with his buddy, Kyle Katarn, trying to avenge the death of his father. (laughs) Listen, you can get two options in the game of Jedi Knight, Dark Forces 2. And the one option is you go light side, all right? But you can also go dark side. And in that case, you get a red lightsaber. (laughs) But if you go light side, you get a green one. And what was great about the mechanics of this game? Oh, shit. We got to do the next song. I'm sorry. Yes, we do. We are halfway through this record, and we are at an hour and a half. Hour and a half. So we got to pick up the pace. Let's just uh, whisper through a couple songs. Sure, sure, sure. Up next, we've got Torn Apart, Stabbing Westward, and Josh Wink.
Oh, I think that uh, drum loop came with uh, your purchase of whatever editing software you just bought. Let me tell you, Josh Wink, whoever that is, he does the damn thing on this song. This song, this was like, I knew I liked Stabbing Westward. I heard Shame on the radio. I was like, that's my shit right there. This got me hyped for more Stabbing Westward in my life. Picked up that record for sure. Longtime listeners know, recently last year got to see stabbing westward live tremendous they did this song the album version i will say much heavier this actually is a lot of josh wink on this he basically removes a large chunk of everything except for like a layer of guitars and the vocals and so a lot of the beeps and the boops a lot of the synth noises all of that is josh wink who once again i do not know who that is i heard josh wink he's a dj He's a DJ, but never heard of him before the soundtrack. And then I was like, maybe Josh Wink's going to drop an album? Maybe something? Nothing. Nothing. He just was like, I'm going to remix this for Spawn. I know Spawn. I love Spawn. Close personal friend. I will do this for the record. Yeah, this also has uh, more of that underwater filter sound going on. I loved it. Jenny, thoughts on Torn Apart? Mm, no, not for me. No, not for Jenny. No, it sounds like a lot of the other stuff, and I'm just, doesn't make my heart sing. That's okay. There you go. All right. Matt Nas. Stabbing Westward was never my band, but this is a good representation of style from the genre. There you go. Now, Stabbing Westward, a lot of anguish lyrics. To get into what this song is about, I had to go. I I was drawn to songmeanings.com. Commenter Saigon Garden, who said, Not all the words apply but this song kind of describes my situation. See, my girlfriend got sick with a mix of mono from me, LOL, and tonsillitis. Now her dad is telling her we can't kiss for six months. Now, I have taken some research time, and I know that is total bullshit. But she listens to her daddy, so I'm stuck. So we've been together for seven, eight months now, and we can only do stuff like we have been together for one or two Six months not really being able to love her is really hard. Kind of, it's tearing my world apart. My mind usually gets the best of me, but all my friends are making out with their GFs, and I'm just stuck. Just a bland world of gray, no color, just locked away in a cold, dark cellar for six months. I really hate it. Plus, it goes right over summer. Perfect time for summer love, eh? How flucky am I? Pouts. I believe Flucky is a combination of fucking Lucky. This guy really projected in a big way that he heard this song and went, this is just like the fact that I can't make out with my girlfriend this summer. Well, you know if your dad tells you you can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. Yeah, but then there was a response from Reeve who said, oh, friggin' grow a pair, you whiny sap. This song has nothing to do with the fact that you can't kiss your GF. If you had half a brain, you'd show her the info you found and she'd give up believing her dad, moron. Uh, young love. I have a two and a half year old daughter and I, I don't need uh, anybody to tell me that she won't listen to me. My dad <laughs> said on, I dad. can't kiss you. So that's what I'm going to say to Minch when I get out of here. (laughs) My dad called. This is really awkward. He said we're not allowed to kiss for six months. (laughs) So I'm going to listen to him. (laughs) There you go. See you later. Bye. Bye. I'll be in the room talking about new metal. (laughs) I just wanted to let you know my dad called and 
<laughs> we can't. We can only do stuff like we've been together for one or two months. <laughs> so, sorry. Which I guess is what like hold hands. What, hold hands. I mean, straight. I mean, one to two months stuff is hold hands, eye contact, compliment each other's clothes, tie each other's shoes. That's it. True. That's it. Kissing? Mm-mm. You gotta wait. Off the table. Off the table. Off the table. If you brush each other's neck with your hand, you are pushing it. Just saying. That's Not true. in this house. Not no. in this house. Not in Not this, in this house. house. Not in this podcast. Not in this, this Don't even think of it. All right. All right. Let's do it. Sure. Up next, we've got Skin Up, Pin Up by Manson and 808 State. Nineties Britpop. I don't know what is. Let me tell you. I was realizing when I was doing my notes for this album that this album got me to buy so many band CDs that I wouldn't have otherwise. I don't own just one. I own two albums by Manson. Wow. So you got the Attack of the Great Lantern. Yes. And six. Yes. But I did buy them used. But I do got them. And I can tell you that I may have not listened to either in full and probably only listened to Wide Open Space, which is a jam. Uh, And I also bought an 808 State Best Of. So, yeah. They got me to move. They got they moved some units from me for this record. This thing basically, I feel like this song was basically done and they just 808 State was like, here's a loop. And we're going to beepity-boop out the door with this check. And that's it. Doesn't seem like a whole lot added to it. Jenny, thoughts on skin up, pin up? Hey, nothing to add. Well, I've been waiting to get to this. Because this song plays, if I'm not mistaken, over a sequence in the movie early on. In which Al Simmons, a.k.a. Spawn, but he's not yet Spawn, has completed a mission. And he is about to leave for work with his best friend. Terry Fitzgerald but he's just I mean he just finished a brutal assassination attempt that he learned was involved perhaps some casualties he did not anticipate so he's a little torn up about it so his wife or is it his fiance that's a little unclear I think they indicated that they are not married yet but in any event she is leaving already and Terry is outside waiting and he says hey can you tell your husband to get a watch and just be on time and she's like yeah i'll tell him all right well i'll see you later i'll see you later Mm -mm. and then al comes out 
says goodbye to his dog Spaz, who we'll get to as well. And then he gets in the car with his friend Terry, and they drive to work. Okay, that is not what happens. <laughs> okay, Jenny, what happens? So what happens is uh, everything up until the point where you talk about her response to him was accurate. He says, hey, get your man a watch. He says, yeah, will you get my man home safe? And they go yeah, back and forth right. and say, get my man home safe, get my man home safe, which you can predict doesn't happen. And then he says goodbye to Spaz. He says goodbye to his, who I believe was his fiance. Yeah. And then they go off together. Now, yes, Lauren and I <laughs> have a bit of debate over the vibe of this scene. I have to say, Lauren, you say what you think first. So the one of the early twists of the film, spoiler alert for Spawn from 23 years ago, is that when Spawn wakes up, he's been dead for five years, he goes to his house and he finds that his wife has moved down without him, his fiance's moved down without him, and she is married to his best friend, Terry, and they have a child together. Brutal revelation. Can't believe it. Crumples in the ground. Very upset. Only comfort spaz the dog so then thinking about this scene where terry the best friend and and the i I feel terrible what is what is the wanda wanda they say her name a million times terry and wanda when he's talking to wanda in the car i'm like there's a vibe here we're setting the table right now we're setting the table to sell the idea that after al is killed in the line of duty she's already got this relationship a bit with Terry. It's an easy one two step to taking things to the next level. To taking things past a first and second month relationship into six to eight to a year long relationship beyond kissing. <laughs> She's just being nice. <laughs> She's just <laughs> like, I, this is such, I don't know. Like, I, my interpretation of that was that she was just like being a person having like some friendly banter with her husband's partner that he like works with every day that, that she talks to because she's rushing out the door and he's out there. I think so often (laughs) if a woman is kind to somebody, let alone God fucking forbid she jokes around with somebody, (laughs) it's like flirting, she's flirting, she's flirting. I didn't get any of that. I did get that they had some type of friendship or they had like some fondness for one another, which, you know, and and then of course in this movie, like the trope is going to be that, you know, the, the, her, her fiance dies, the, the partner's also mourning the loss, they mourn together and then they have some sort of relationship, but. I didn't get I didn't get the sense that like there was some vibe. Matt, do you remember the scene well enough to <laughs> <laughs> We were hoping that Matt would remember watch the movie and remember the scene to settle this tie. When I saw the movie, I never put together that she had any feelings for him beyond he's my hus- husband to be's partner. I don't think that your guess is right on with this one, Lauren. But I also will say 
this is uh, 23 years removed from the film. Well, I'll tell you, if any of our listeners feel so moved to watch Spawn. Now, look, we've already surpassed Spawn's length <laughs> in our podcast. Yeah. But if you watch Spawn, you see this scene. Let us know. Is it a vibe or is it not a vibe? Let us Let know. Us know. <laughs> Let us know. Let us know. This is the hot debate. We texted about this for an extremely long period of time. Yes, we really did. <laughs> So please let us know. Help us get our friendship moving again past this. <laughs> We're locked in debate like two bucks fighting. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hear the song. All right. Next up, what do we got? One Man Army, The Prodigy and Tom Morello. Jenny, we'll start with you. Thoughts on Prodigy plus Tom Morello? I mean, this would have been a dream pairing for me at this time. I did get into the Prodigy. I think that was like a little bit unmissable at this time. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was all right. I liked it. Listening to it in the context of this record, by the time I get here, I'm just like, got it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Walters. Thank you, Spawn. Thank you, Clowny. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Like, I got it. I'm shaking hands. I'm writing thank you notes. Like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Um, well, I remember when this song came out. This is another one where I'm looking at the back of the CD. I'm 15 years old. I'm playing Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight. And I'm looking at the back of the CD and I'm like, Prodigy plus Tom Morello? What will this gift be? And the first thing I hear is this beeping noise that sounds like when you keep your keys in the ignition and you open your door to your car, reminding you to get the keys out. And I remember thinking, this is a little annoying. What are they doing here? And once you get into like the verses, if that's what that is, I don't know, the song doesn't really have a chorus, uh, it gets kind of cool. But I always remember thinking like, this, this this seemed rushed. And then do a little bit of research and find out Indeed, it was. According to Liam Howlett of The Prodigy, it was a bit rushed. I did it in three days when I usually need a week. So there you go. Given a little more time, that may have been a little cooler sounding 
beeping siren noise. But as it is, it just, yeah, reminded me of. Doors open. Shut the door. <laughs> Get your keys out. Lyrically, though, right on point for the band. I believe that's maximum reality on the vocals. And the lyrics, according to songmeetings.com, are taste the back of my crystal fist, dog at the reservoir, causing friction. Timeless. There you go. Just as meaningful then as they are now. <laughs> true, true. All right. Up next, we've got Spawn, Silver Chair, and Vitro. guys this song i think i i don't want to say i'd written off silver chair but silver chair at this point they'd given us frog stomp they'd given us tomorrow classic track classic record thank you they give us freak show i remember freak show people were kind of lukewarm on maybe that's it for silver chair that's it for these boys these young boys i hear this and i'm like woo. This is raw. This is raw sounding. Also, listening to this record on headphones, when I took notes, I did notice that everything else on this record sounds very processed, very raw, very very um, slick, I should say. But the the vocals on this, the instruments, clearly this this might have even been like a demo track. I feel like that they gave to this whoever Vitro is. Never heard him before. Never heard of him again. And. This thing seems like, yeah, they gave him like a like a, a rougher raw track to really mess around with. And honestly, renewed my sense of interest in Silverchair indeed to the point where when they dropped Neon Ballroom, I picked that shit up. And that has the final version of this song. This is almost like, the in a way, the demo. They have this song on Neon Ballroom called Spawn Again. And remember, notes the vocals on this are nuts. Daniel John's going in. So... I loved it. I thought it was great. Jenny, thoughts? I also liked it a lot. <laughs> Send it. <laughs> it's done. Send it. Print. <laughs> Send it. That's it. Send it. Print. All right. Listen to the Silverchair podcast. That's a great one. Um, <laughs> Matt Nas, any thoughts on Spawn? That that bass rumble is a fan favorite over here. Um, good song. I mean, the, the, the analog, analog, especially at this time, anytime that you can get a real instrument in there. It, it makes a huge difference because uh, electronics in the 90s were very tinny, very uh, thin, not lush. 
unless they were analog synths. And the big push with electronica was that it wasn't analog. It was really pushing the digital. And uh, a lot of that stuff sounds thin. There you go. There you have it. All right. It's time. It's time, Jenny. It's time. <laughs> Up next, we've got... I've been seeing this title <laughs> and being like, uh-oh. T4 Strain, Henry Rollins, and Goldie. You never told me why. God, I'm, my eyes are rolling already. You never gave me a reason. So that was the interesting thing because in the movie, there is a killer virus. It's a plot point at one point. Martin Sheen is the bad guy in the movie, plays Jason Wynn. And he has this virus that he wants to unleash on the world that basically Clown has told him to do. It's called Heat 16. And so he is convinced to attach a detonator to his heart so if he is killed it will unleash all the heat 16 over the entire world and kill everybody so the reasoning stands that if anyone goes to kill him he'll go ah heat 16 and then they won't kill him this leads to a scene where spawns like nah and he just takes it out of him like with his super super eyes or something that's true. It's a very dramatic. Use the suit. Use the suit. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of use the suit. Yeah. But then it seems like they were like, all right, there's a killer virus. Do you want to know what the name of it is? And they're like, no. We got all we need over here. We're going to T4 strain. That's our virus. That's the Goldie Henry Rollins virus. And so this song is basically Henry Rollins singing from the point of view of a killer virus. Going to be honest with you, it's not aged well. <laughs> I mean, if we're being very honest, does Spawn not seem like a, a prescient tale of the American government right now? Not, you're not wrong, Jenny. You're not wrong. The thing that was funny about this song, at the time, I remember just being like, well, this is not making me a fan of Henry Rollins. It is not making me a fan of Goldie. Although this did remind me a little bit of the Jackal soundtrack, which came out at the end of 1997, which um, take out the Henry Rollins part of this and just have all the drum and bass stuff. That's what the Jackal soundtrack sounded like. Also very much enjoyed that soundtrack at the time. I always think about people who are like, Henry Rollins, man, I'm going to go hear him speak. He's going to be doing a speaking tour. I got to go check out Henry Rollins. I was like, Henry Rollins? What's he going to say? And I know that people look to him as like a... You know, some people view him as a mentor in the industry. He's a guy who came up using Black Flag and all that. But he is also a guy who made a song with Goldie on the Spawn soundtrack from the point of view of a killer virus. 
I'm just saying, people contain multitudes, and this is an incredible goofball moment. Also, I do not believe this song is in the movie. I could be wrong. Jenny? Well, I mean, what a shame. Yeah. Missed an opportunity there. Missed an opportunity there. Yeah, I, I have a lot of friends who are really into Henry Rollins and like go have gone to like see him speak and things like that. I've enjoyed every interview I've ever heard with Henry Rollins. It never really resonated with me necessarily, but I mean, it's engaging, an engaging dude. So good for him. There you go. Good for Henry. All right, let's keep going. Up next, we've got Familiar, Incubus, and DJ Greyboy. Is everything in life, no doubt I, I <laughs> Reiterate till my jaw is all set But I'll say it again anyway What you give is what you give Look at you now, look at you now Oh, here it comes. I kind of <laughs> like this song. There it is. <laughs> I don't want to, but I do. And I feel like a bummer because so much of this just doesn't resonate with me. And I know you both love it. And I want to share in that love with you. And as soon as I liked this song, I was like, this is going to be the one that they're like, what is this shit? And I'm like, I kind of <laughs> was feeling it. Like... <laughs> Oh my God! Jenny just broke out of thing of team fraud. She's on the hill. Oh, DTE. She's vibing in the sun. Jenny is vibing. Jenny is vibing right now. Jenny, I I feel like you're about to get some team fries, and you're about to grab Mitch and be like, "Let's act like we've been dating for a couple years." If you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah. Imagine we're on the lawn at the bus. Because yeah. I don't listen to my dad anymore. Oh. Oh, I don't. I lost his number. If you know what I'm yeah. talking about, I'm gonna write. I don't listen to my dad anymore and catch up on a napkin and really carefully <laughs> take it over to him. Uh, this thing is weird. I never realized until the listens for this episode that that beat underneath is basically like a thin G funk rip. Yep. Very unusual. Yes. And that Brandon Boyd is almost rapping, sort of. I don't think he quite achieves it. He's still sort of singing. What's interesting is on songmeetings.com, apparently Incubus diehards have been trying to find the original version of the song. Like This is the only version of the song that exists, and they're convinced that there must be another version. But I think that this may have been a case where Incubus got into the booth with DJ Greyboy, and they were like, "Let's, let's bust out a new one. What do you got? As it stands, I do not dislike this song, but those vocals are some goofball shit. There we go. All right. Up next, we've got... Here we go. <laughs> no Remorse. Oh. I, 
I do have a cue. Oh, yeah. I do have a quick cue. How uh, respectful of our time is this album? Great cue. This album is 62 minutes and 11 seconds. Just like this podcast. Oh. Not that respectful. (laughs) Right. I was like, our podcast is longer than that. (laughs) It comes in a whopping 36 minutes shorter than the movie. Yes, it does. Okay. Up next, we've got No Remorse, I Want to Die. Slayer and Atari Teenage Riot. Atari Teenage Riot can exist without the Amen Breakbeat. I gotta tell you, this thing, this is, we got one song left after this one, but this is the best song on the album. No question. And I love Filter. I'd say that's second favorite. But this thing, incredible. This got me to buy an Atari Teenage Riot record. Which Which is fucking terrible. What a huge mistake. Terrible. Did you get Burn, Berlin, Burn? Oh, no. I got like 60-second Wipeout or something. Okay. Awful. At least there's one song. Revolution Action, I think, is on that, and that's a ripper. But you can't, I think that, yeah. you can't get there from here. <laughs> like, it's Oh, let me tell you. This thing's so good. I was like, yeah. Atari Teenage Riot injected into my veins. Because I already knew who Slayer was. I, I was like, okay. But like Atari Teenage Riot, I was like, okay, this is my shit. Clearly, based on this song. But it was not. Those records are not like this. But this song, for one, this predates Slipknot by a couple years, at least Slipknot in the popular consciousness. This reminds me a little bit of Slipknot in this song. On top of that, I counted five tempo changes, all incredible. Jenny, I wrote down four different parts in here that I think are very key. Which do you think are most key? The remain calm, the slow down to the rumble bass, the screamed out go, or the chug section? The screamed out go is the most important thing. Okay. All right. So we'll do. Okay. All right. So we'll do. Matt, first go to 154 so we can hear the remain calm part and then go to 250. Okay. Here's 154 for you. Remain calm. I'm coming to your house to kill you. Incredible. All right, yeah, and then, yeah, and then uh, 250. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Go! <laughs> it's every good Atari Teenage Riot song is this song. 
like there's just a mountain of absolute garbage and there's three or four songs that are pretty much exactly like this that are just like this is why they're great <laughs> the, i'm gonna say this is one of the best songs ever made bar none put it up there put it up there what are the great songs everybody talks about what are they the great songs hey jude this is at least as good as that. Wow. So I gotta say. All right. <laughs> I'm going to put it up there. I don't know if you caught that one part, but the song stops so that someone can go, remain calm. I'm coming to your house to kill you. And then they extend that out with the loop effect. Incredible. Jenny, talk to me about your feelings on No Remorse, I Want to Die. Uh, I really enjoyed this song. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I was into it. I was like, is Atari Teenage Riot good? But you both have really helped me with that journey. So (laughs) (laughs) this, I mean, it's the ultimate bait and switch on this one because you come out of this song and you're just like, these guys have walloped me. They've thrown me around. They've given me so much. The slow down, speed up, the chug, everything's there. This feels very like proto new metal in a lot of ways. Actually, this thing feels pretty fucking new metal, if I'm going to be honest. And yeah, it sets the stage where you're just like, I guess Atari Teenage Riot are the best. I mean, I know Slayer's rap is secure, but boy, lordy. But then, yeah, then you, you get any of their albums and you're like, get this out of here. Terrible. Yeah. Digital hardcore. There is no mystique. It is all there. It is yelling go, yelling digital hard- hardcore. It is go, it's yelling one, two, three, four. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all in this song. It's all you need is right here. And also the song's called No Remorse, I Want to Die. When you're 15, you're playing Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight on the PC. This is what you need. Inject it into your veins. All right. We've got one track right. left. Let's, let's just get into it. This is a track called A Plane Scraped Its Belly on a Sooty Yellow Moon. And this is Soul Coughing and Ronnie Size. Move upside and let the man come through. Be down, 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 down. Be down, 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 down. Be down, 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 down. Here I come, 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 down, down, down. Further inside. Down, 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 down. In all directions at one, 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 one. Universal sound, sound, sound. To the finish, 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 finish. The quickness. Sorry, is there anywhere I should go in this song? Uh, Matt, just on the journey. No, no, no. Uh, go to the big. Here's the thing. There is a there's a bass drop at two thirty, and then the beat drops at three minutes. So, go to two thirty. I think that the bass part is pretty. Down, 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 down. You, you, you got it. <laughs> sure, you don't want to hear some uh, one-off Atari Teenage Riot songs? No, I mean, so the funny thing is, I remember for a long time this one... I was like, I'd get like in 
like a minute and I'd be like, who am I kidding? And I turned it off. But now as I've gotten older, this is one of my favorites on it. I don't know what it is. It just, it's grown on me. Now my buddy, my buddy, Alan, who I talked about earlier in the show had a, a little angel come from the skies to allow him to get Snoop Doggy Dogg's doggy style. Him and I used to joke around all the time with this album. And we used to say the quick nest, 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 nest to each other as you would as you would when you're 15 and you say things to each other that are funny just to you and your friends uh, from this song. So uh, yeah, this also got me, this did not get me into soul coughing, but it got me into Ronnie size. And so I did own, I think it's called new forms, which is like a double disc of basically this. And somehow that didn't scare me off enough that I did pick up the Ronnie size represent album that came out in 2000, which I cannot remember the name of, but that thing's got, Zach De La Roca on it. The thing's got Method Man on it. That thing's a hot record. I cannot remember the name of it to save my life, but uh, that was a hot record. And so I was deep. I was I was deep into the Ronnie size for a little bit because of this one. Um, also, this also has a lot of vibes that uh, you could also find on the Jackal soundtrack. Jenny, thoughts on this long song? Type? I my 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 not for me <laughs> again. Not my vibe. Not terrible, but I just was like, this isn't, I mean, I guess just like this specific flavor of electronic music isn't for me. I don't even know necessarily what you'd call it. Cause I, I did like adult and I did like, I don't know, Portishead. So I don't know. What does that mean? You're not averse to electronic music or music that uses electronics, but this version of electronic music kind of leaves you cold. Yeah, this is yeah. So what? Is what that Ronnie fair? Size? Is that fair? Because I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to tell you how you feel. Jenny. Well, too late. <laughs> how dare you be so right once again, oh. you guys? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. This is this is the drum and bass uh, sound that was very popular in yeah, like late '90s. So Ronnie Size, LTGA, Bookum, and Goldie all sort of did the same sort of drum sound with these drums, and. It's really, I mean, you're on the wavelength or you're not. It's it's either going to be your thing or it's not. And the name of that album is In the Mode. In the Mode. Oh, love In the Mode. Let me tell you. That thing's like a solid hour of just bangers, man. Let me tell you. Like I said, Zach's on it. Method Man's on it. There's some hot, hot songs on there. That was That came out 2000, so that thing was getting major play in my dorm room freshman year. Let me tell you. So... Yeah. If you like what you're hearing here, check out In the Mode, Ronnie Size Represent. This one also not in the um not in the movie. And lyrically could be about anything. Seems pretty seems pretty stream of consciousness. Feels like they gave Ronnie Size a bunch of stems and he just mixed it up in the lab as one does. So and believe it or not, that's the album. That spawned the album. Wow. Yeah. And uh, now it's time for New Metal Movie Talk. New Metal Movie there Review. New Metal Movie Review. There it is. Uh, Jenny, we'll start with you. Thoughts on the album? Thoughts on the movie? And how new did it all feel? How new metal did it all feel to you? So this all feels very of the timeline. 
So where this is situated makes a lot of sense. This feels very like on the edge of becoming new. This feels very, very much of the time that new was about to arrive. We got little, little, I mean, the closest thing that we really got to getting anything new here was an appearance from Corn. Maybe a little bit of Incubus, but that just went off on its whole, like, its whole own direction. But the movie itself, I think if you showed that to somebody, they would pick up on, like, a new metal vibe there. I think it's pretty new overall. It, it sort of just, like, perfectly captures this, like, sort of changing point. I think both, like, in terms of the music on here... And in terms of, like, the confusing, half of the effects in Spawn are very, very good and very impressive. Half of them are absolutely insane to look at now because of how bad they are. And I kind of feel like in the same way that the movie felt so, like, teetering between direction this album also feels like it's teetering in that like kind of gray space does that make sense yeah i can see that i mean this i mean the thing is i have to say the album i think holds together a little bit better because it doesn't anytime it feels like it's careening off the rails you get to the next song and i think spawn spawn is constantly careening off the rails and then you just sort of have to tough out like you said not even tough out you sort of have to just accept it like i accept you whatever it is that you're doing right now and you know that you're just going to get through to whatever the next scene will be it did occur to me the movie does end with basically like a fight next to a fireplace basically yes they're going in and out of wanda's living room with wanda her new husband her daughter spaz and a homeless child that we meet a couple times whose dad gets killed um but we don't really talk about that too much but yes they're going in and out of the the fireplace it's it's violator and spawn going to hell also like coleostro who's just wearing chain mail i will say the family does not react to this event but they do react when clown says boo they all jump i'm like okay so (laughs) Yeah, this movie establishes the idea that demons and people from hell coming out of your fireplace, nothing to nothing to be worried about. But uh, clowns, still terrifying. Get them out of here. I uh, going back to this record. I, uh, you know, just brought back a lot of old feelings. Uh, I can say the Filter Crystal Method song, the Manson song, uh, Stabbing Westward. Slayer Atari Teenage Riot, as I said, one of the best songs ever made. So I have nothing but warm feelings for this record. It does feel like proto new metal overall, like we're right on the cusp. It's not quite there, setting the stage. So you just have the seeds of everything. I don't. The thing is that this record is like essential to me, but I don't know if it's like essential to like the canon per se, because it feels so proto. But at the same time, I love it. I don't know if I'm even giving it a good answer here, but I think it's, I don't know. I just It feels like an important touchstone. It's an important touchstone for me, that's for sure. What well, goes in the Lauren canon? The Lauren canon. Oh, it's definitely in the Lauren canon. Believe you me. Uh, Menaz. Fun listen. It's kind of interesting from a soundtrack point of view because they're usually 
they're usually late to the party. You know, they're usually two to three years behind the trend. You know, it's it's rare that you get a soundtrack that really is of the time almost 100%. Of all the movies that come out, if there's a hundred movie sound or 50 movie soundtracks that come out in one year two or three of them are going to be very of the time and the rest are going to be like a cavalcade of greatest hits and songs that are retreads and things along those lines i think that's a fair statement lauren what do you think jenny fair i agree yeah. i agree with you this is this is definitely like timing wise they got it out right there because this is catching a lot of these people ascendant corn ascendant filter ascendant manson at his peak i don't think there's anybody on this record honestly who you could say i mean really the elder states statesmen here are metallica and slayer butthole surfers and butthole and surfers the, yeah, the butthole elder, surfers the elder statesmen and but, uh but it's a yeah. very interesting thing because it does make it a time capsule like it does become a piece of history that doesn't really go beyond what it is. Like I think almost every artist on this has gone on to do more work apart from this. And some have gone on to, as you said, Moby at that point didn't know that he was about to ascend into a multi-platinum selling record. Um, right. I mean, who could have known that play would have been that big of a monster? Right. But I think it's a string of interesting, and you'll see where I'm going with this in just a second. If I were to like draw a line between soundtracks that move in an interesting way, Judgment Night does this for me, where it's like some of these songs are really great standalone songs, but on a whole... It's very much of its time. But then you go to a soundtrack like Hackers, which was more of the tech techno uh, electronic music that I was into. Underworld's on that. Underworld is by far and away my favorite electronic band of all time. You come to this, and this feels like a straight line to the Matrix soundtrack. Let's get there. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, from a from a jumping off point, if these are tiny time capsules to encapsulate the moment of sound, I, I like, that progression to me makes sense. Like, spawns running so that the Matrix <laughs> soundtrack could fly. And fly it did. Let me tell right you. Right at the end, Neo just, like, boom, to rage against the machine. Ah, one of the great moments. One of the great moments. Oh, well, I guess there. I guess our answer is that this is in my canon. We're not putting it in the new metal canon, but certainly we have kicked off new movie month in style. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I believe there is. Uh, there's no real. So they never made a Spawn sequel. A shame. Uh, but I believe that Happy Walters facilitated one other soundtrack. And correct me if I'm wrong on this. One other soundtrack of a similar vein, Blade 2, in which he merged electronic artists with rappers. And there are some dynamite collabs on that soundtrack. 
also Blade 2. Now there's a movie. Jenny, have you seen any of the Blades? I have. I saw the first Blade around the time that it came out, but I'm not super familiar with the Blade universe. Sorry to say. All right. Well, I guess any any final thoughts on Spawn? I would say watch it. Give it a spin. Just be prepared. Go back in. Give it another dip. If you like the new line 90s vibe, this will not disappoint. <laughs> yeah. I mean this I mean if you do like a triple feature of Spawn, The Faculty and The Craft, yeah. You're all set. I I can't believe I, I didn't know this. Happy Walters also executive producer on straight up the Lynn Strait. Um, That's right. That's right. The man. So he's pretty much the guy that brings worlds together to get music done. You know what? I got to say the world's in tumult right now. People are more divided than ever. Happy Walters. I think now's the time. What's the next collabo? What's the next mix of things that we need to hear put together? I don't know. I'm not happy Walters, but I bet you he's gotten some ideas. So I'm going to keep I'm going to keep my eyes to the sky for that one. And that's it. That's the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Keep on saying hello online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Roach Coach and all of those. Send us an email, roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. We're back next week. New movie month continues. Another movie, another soundtrack. We're going to be diving in. I think you're going to love it. Until next time, Jenny, thank you. Lauren. Thank you. Matt. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.